guys to today's show. I'm joined by very dressed funkily uh, Ben Childs here. We are back at Paradise by way of Kensal Rise. Um, last time round, we interviewed, of course, Ben and Lonya, who are the artistic directors. Today, we sit down with the most important man of the place, uh, General Manager Ben. He's got an, an incredible background, really, dealing with corporates over a, a long period of time, found his way into, into the restaurant industry as well, and he's ended up with urban pubs and bars here at Paradise. So, Ben, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining us today. Now, I just <laughs> want to sort of get into it. How, how do we kind of find ourselves? As I mentioned, we, you come from a strong background. So take me way back, like how, how do we get it today? Oh, right, wow. Um, so I suppose originally I, in my younger years, decided that I wanted to open my own bar one day. Right. Um, so I approached the manager at Tiger Tiger in Croydon, um, a guy called Jason Thornicroft, uh, back in the day and said, hey, what, what do you recommend I do to you know, get the experience to open my own bar one day? And this is my sort of uh, 19, when I was 19 or 20. Uh, and he said, well, you've got to go and work in one which looking back now is bleedingly obvious. Sure. Uh, but back then you sort of had these bright ideas. Mm. Um, so I applied for a job and um, got a job with, uh, with them. That was Novus Leisure uh, at the time. Actually it was um, Urban PLC before, even before Novus. And uh, worked my way up through the ranks to duty manager at, uh, at Tiger Corden uh, and then through the ranks uh, with Novus Leisure up to uh, general manager. Um, over the years I think I got GM when I was about 27 Oh, right. uh, so it took me about sort of six, seven years yeah. to, uh, to work my way up through there. Um, my first venue was in, my first GM ship rather, was in Lupo in Dean Street, which oh, uh, cool. sadly is not there anymore, but it was a very cool little 300 it's capacity. Location, uh, yeah. It was a lovely location, right next to the French House, which is a really, really famous, uh, famous old pub um, on Dean Street, really, really central. And uh, it was a great little cocktail bar. Mm. Um, did, did well out of that and uh, did so well they decided to move me as Novus did every, every January. It was a bit of a running joke, it was the January transfer window. If you did, <laughs> if you did really, really well, um, you got moved to a bigger venue. Um, right. If you did not so well, you got moved to a smaller venue. So you never stayed? If, if you did all right. Uh, I think the longest I stayed in a venue with Novus was, uh, was two, two years, right. um, but it was generally a year or two. If you did well, um, if you did that, okay, you generally just sort of sat, um, sat where you were, depending on, um, but it was, um, it was a decision they took every year to sort of obviously keep keep people fresh and move teams around and what year is use your skill set. Uh, oh God, that would be 2010, 11, something like that. Okay. Uh, there, thereabouts, yeah, about 2010, um, I would say. So I went from there to uh, Novus, then bought out Lewis and Clark and Balls Brothers sites, um, which was about 12 to 15 sites off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, and they took seven venues, um, that they decided to uh, sort of revamp in the in the Novus way. Uh, one of them was the Gable in Moorgate, which is a 750 capacity sort of gastro pub themed um, venue with a really really good sort of city core sort of city lunch trade, good food trade. Uh, had a really nice open kitchen, mm. uh, so I had the advantage there of doing some some really really good food, whereas typically Novus was more sort of on the bar food side of things. Um, was that your input, or did you kind of <coughs> park out with someone and thought, right, I want to put some high-end food in this, this establishment? Well, Balls Brothers and Lewis and Clark were quite good at food anyway, right. uh, already. So it was more taking their concept of, you know, doing the really, really good city breakfast and, and lunches and uh, all the way on to sort of the evening with the open, massive open fish counter um, and just really sort of working with the chef and developing that so that it actually fit with, um, so fit with the times because it was a little bit old hat at the time. Mm. Um, so managed to do that, had a really, really good chef um, called Richard. He was uh, an amazing, uh, amazing guy. 
and so really creative with his with his dishes. So he had the opportunity to just, you know put on daily specials and things like that. And just really that was probably my first kind of step into proper food um, rather than the usual sort of bar platters and passion, things that I was used to. Uh, yeah, it became it became a huge passion. Um, actually, off off the back of that, because I became quite good friends with the chef uh, Richard, sort of outside of work as well. So okay. um, we really worked very closely in getting um, the food side of that business where it needed to be. Uh, we also, um, I saw myself and sort of Novus as a, as a company put in a, you know, the usual typical decent, decent happy hour for after work drinkers, uh, and then we put live bands on in the evening, right. and uh, saw some massive growth, actually about two hundred percent growth in sales um, wow. for that venue. So it was huge. Is that because um, your really concept new, was new to that? Uh, I think it was or just was one. No I think it was just one property that was the right offering. Uh, we put a sales team in um, as well, and it worked incredibly well. Um, I got the. GM of the year for the city actually under Novus oh, yeah. is typical thing for that one. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming I did an okay did you job. you put that on your Instagram um, profile? Oh, it's definitely on my CV yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, it's not my Instagram, but right, okay. certainly on my CV. <laughs> um, where would I go from that? From now I went to The Loop, um, which is obviously a really institutional venue in the West End. Yeah. Um, most people have heard, most people have heard of The Loop uh, with the Groovy Wonderland downstairs. Yep. Um, which was uh, yeah, really, really good. We ended up doing the um, the Dream Boys as well on a Saturday, um, Saturday evening with uh, 300 hens, uh, nice. which was a, an experience. Is there I think, different insurance really... policies that you have to take out in that situation? I mean, insurance policies, just different way of managing, right, managing okay. things. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite early. Uh, well, it was, yeah, yeah, well, we always had security on uh, sort of early because it was quite early doors. It started at five o'clock. Oh, okay. um, and I think my, my first weekend, I'll tell the story to everybody. Uh, my first weekend, I ended up, um, there was a bit of an incident downstairs in the Groovy Wonderland with a couple of hen parties sort of trying to scramble over each other for a good view. Um, <laughs> and so I heard it on the radio. I thought, let me, let me just go down and see, see how the security are getting on um, and dealing with this because obviously it was my first weekend at the venue. And uh, it was the other side of the dance floor. And for anyone that's been to Loop, it's a big round dance floor in the mm. Groovy, Groovy Wonderland. And there was, you know, 300 hens around the outside. So you couldn't get uh, to where the incident was sort of going off. Sure. There was no, no, no issues, really. It was just, you know, we wanted to see how security were interacting with the customers. So I ended up just deciding, you know, screw this. I'm just going to go straight across the middle of the dance floor, just as the main act was coming on. Um, which, uh, yeah, I won't go into graphic detail. But I uh, got to the other side and thought, I'm not going back. So, <laughs> so I ended up having to stay there for the remainder of the show. Finished and the head of security yeah. quite kindly said, you know there's a fire exit over there, you just got to go out of <laughs> Thanks for that. So you, yeah. you copped an eyeball, you made sure the talent was, uh, was well displayed. Yeah, and yeah. Doing, and, and doing quite well. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good stuff. So, I mean, that's, so Novus is a big, a big chunk of your career was there. Hugely, yeah. I went, uh, what did I go? Uh, from the loop, I went back to Verve. Um, I was a bar manager there previously. Um, oh, Verve was probably the, my funnest venue ever. Um, just went in straight for the, they gave it a refurbishment. Mm. Um, and then Verve's located just between sort of Piccadilly Circuit, uh, no, sorry, uh, Leicester Square and Covent Garden, just in the corner, um, opposite the first ever Five Guys, uh, actually. So it's a really, really high footfall and really enjoyable venue. It was just an absolute party, party venue. So really enjoyed that. Um, and then uh, bittersweet, really, I decided to go and open my own restaurant. What, um, is that an idea that you thought of for a while? Well, it's something, as I said, in, um, when we started, but something show. I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to go and open my own bar. So myself and my brother got some backing from my, my stepdad. And yeah. um, we uh, were looking for venues for sort of quite a while. Managed to find one on uh, Abbeville Road in Clapham. And um, it's called Newton's at the time. And we decided to take that over 
um, refurbish it to a concept called Craft Kitchen, which was very much about homemade uh, craft dishes, um, all sort of in-house prepared rather than sort of bought in products or anything like that. And it, the concept was based around burgers and a few other sort of um, artisan Was that during the, the burger boom that kind of London Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I still, I still maintain our burgers were better than, than most people's. Um, but you know, there's always some learnings with uh, with business and uh, and doing it by yourself. So I certainly think that I thought I was more prepared to do it than I than I would have I, been I was, coming out of it. I was going to ask, so you know, coming from essentially you're you're the manager, but now you're now a business owner. At that point, you're like, oh, okay, this is something. What you hadn't it's, ever it, thought of, I or mean, was it something different? There's, there's two there's two aspects to it really. I think the, the first is going from a um, you know having done bars that do food mm. and then doing an out and out restaurant is uh, incredibly. It might as well be a different industry. I think sometimes because the expectation really? of people when they come to eat in a restaurant is very very different to people that come to a bar and actually and get some food when they're in a bar. Um, obviously, it differs depending on the concepts and you know I haven't worked for everybody in every single place, so I'm not sure. Um, if it's uh, if it goes the same, but certainly my experience was uh, dealing with sort of drink-led businesses going into a food-led business. Mm. Uh, it was very very different. The reason people were coming was more for an occasion, and um, the the expectation that we're coming to eat and then drink was a, a secondary thought to that, okay. rather than it being the other is the that, other way around. Is that still in business? Uh, it got um, bought by the landlord uh, at the end because she wanted to build some flats at the back. Um, and she was going to cut, yeah, exactly. Every landlord in the world, um, she was going to cut off half the kitchen and didn't want to give us any rent reductions and, and things. So, um, but I think we decided as a as a family really to sort of cut that, um, cut enough. that short, take take the money, and then uh, come back into. How into long work. was you doing that for? Uh, it was about three years. Three years is a good stint. Is it yeah, something it's a good you'd like stint. to go back into? Uh, possibly one day. I think you know, looking at it from a from a business perspective, the the rent was very high, the rates um, were very very high, so the yeah, overheads. And that's the thing, you know, when you go into it first time, you don't necessarily, you know, you look at you look at your costs and you kind of go, yeah, yeah, we can make that money and cover all those costs, and all I've got to do is is hit that top line. And actually, it's a lot more difficult with a small business, mm. um, you know, a little hundred cover restaurant, uh, from you know even the smallest venue that I ran with Novus was three hundred. 300 right. capacity. Um, so when you go down to sort of small covers in a uh, local area, um, it's a very, very different approach than it is in the middle of the West End or the city. Especially in Clapham, because it is such a tight knit, from from a punter's perspective, let's mm. say, it's a, it seems very tight knit. It is, I mean, that we did whole, brunch, which you, know, you need to do in, in Clapham. You have to. Um, which was really, really busy trading, and Sunday lunch, you know, our, our busiest um, times were Friday, Friday night, sure. Saturday brunch, Saturday evening, and Sunday, um, a Sunday brunch. Um, and Sunday lunch as well, obviously. Um, but really, really good learning experience. Um, learned a huge amount to bring back into yeah. sort of working for somebody do, else. Do you think from that experience then, and everything that you sort of took on board there, any role that you've taken on since, do you kind of think, do you position it a bit differently? So you don't come in as a manager, you come in as a manager, but I've actually owned a place, so I understand this part of the business a bit more now. So you can offer more. Yeah, definitely. To, I think to, there's, to I think it certainly took away um, some arrogance, I think, in some ways, in the way right. that I approach situations. Because um, okay. with Novus, it was you know always you know going from success to success um, and being a lot younger, just sort of thinking, you know, I can do anything. Right. Um, and then going into opening my own uh, venue, suddenly realised that actually you don't have a whole team around you to uh, serve customers and do the marketing and um, do the ideas. financing and bounce ideas off. And yeah, just or, or even the most basic thing if someone's broken. A, you know, a glass or something like that. I remember sitting there going, right, can I get someone? No, I'll go sweep it up because actually there's nobody else around right. um, to kind of do it. 
bit of an so, ego, ego uh, yeah yeah definitely an ego way. check um, yeah. not that I was very egotistical before but certainly um, it's, no, very, okay. it's a very humbling experience um, to go and do that so I think really coming um, into working for other people again it's um, you definitely look at things in a very very different way and mm. more of an understanding way more of a considered approach to things and appreciation for how much things do cost rather than I mean a classic example is maintenance and you know call outs for kitchen equipment and things like that, you're, yeah. you're better off rather than just picking up the phone and spending 150 quid calling um, someone to come and fix something that you just learn how to fix it yourself and surprisingly things were a lot simpler <laughs> than you think to actually just um, get things fixed. What have you sort of noticed in the last few years with, with customers in general? Is it, are people not necessarily more frugal, are they a bit more <coughs> wary of where they go now and where they spend? I think you've got to look at um, you know, the social media boom um, which you know has really evolved uh, from 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 one of those for um, to a certain extent. Um, yes, I think any restaurant or bar has got to evolve with the times. And yeah. really, social media. When I was running Verve, for example, with Novus, was you know I, I was using it uh, with my sales team, and that was I was probably one of the only people uh, in the company doing it that way, um, rather than you know the classic pick up the phone, speak to. Um, speak to local businesses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and to, to now, you know, five or six years, um, five years later or so, uh, it's the first thing that you go to for your marketing tool and to reach out to to people, and that's what the first. You know, people are going on to Instagram things to look for things to do, um, rather than going on to Google as much anymore. How, I think. how do you stay on top of trends then? Do you outsource? Do you is it in house? Is it something you mixture out? mixture of both? Um, I think mean, you've got to, you know, there's the influencer influencer boom sure. of, uh, of people that, you know, have thousands and thousands of followers um, and, you know, are willing to sort of come down, give them, you know, a free meal and, you know, then they, then they endorse your venue, really. It works for, it works really, really well. It's something we're bringing into Paradise here. Um, my uh, previous dinner at Junkyard Golf Club. Uh, they they have an absolutely amazing PR department. I mean, the, right. it's it's phenomenal the the work that they do. Um, you were there for quite a while, weren't you? Yeah, year, year and a half um, at junkyards, and uh, they've got yeah really dedicated people that are just dedicated to getting uh, celebrities and influencers down to sort of endorse the venue um, and push it out. And it's 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 not necessarily about um, you know other people going well. I want to go to that venue because that person thinks it's cool. It's about getting your reach organically out there. To uh, to as many people as possible to let them know that you're you're there on the map and making sure that your content is correct and that your um, the message you're posting out on social media is exactly what you want people to um, to read and see. We we junk the golf. I've been there a couple of times. Um, it seems to be very much a obviously a destination <coughs> venue, more of the experience led market. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean the the business model is amazing. It's uh, it's mostly ticket-based, but they always have slots for walk-in walk trades. And it's that experience, uh, competitive socialising, I think, is the... Competitive term that I've been told is the, the relevant term for sporting like and drinking at the same time. Um, so, and obviously you, you've got the competition of Lights of Swingers and um, Flight Club and, and uh, Pouch Shack and all those kind of, all those kind of places. Um, bounce as well. Um, it's, I think, the move from the... Um, people's mentality is to really they want to go out and actually have an experience and do something. I mean, the classic one really is you look at people when they go out these days and all uh, the first thing they do if they're in a restaurant will be they'll take a 
picture of their food um, before they eat it. Um, oh, and you know, no, no. <laughs> but that's, that's what people do. I know, um, they and it's I the experience, you know. It, and if you go up, uh, I mean, I've, I've been with my wife up to, um, you know, up the Shard and things like that. And again, it's it's an experience. Yeah. And uh, you're you, you want to sort of remember the moment, um, especially if it is an occasion. Um, you know, specifically about restaurants, they're the same with. Um, you know, places like Junkyard and it's the experience, um, immersive hospitality kind of um, places that they, they'll want to go and it's almost like they're, you know, getting content for themselves to say on social media, hey, look what a great time I had this weekend. Yeah. Um, I've actually done something rather than your classic, right, let's just go to the pub and have a have a pint and on Monday morning, well, not I'm, having anything to show for it. Oh, I agree, but I think, I think it's good in general that perhaps working in conjunction with social media as a venue it is giving more back to customers as opposed to just go out and have a drink and that's it yeah definitely i think it's really good because now it seems to be there's more opportunity more so now than ever before whereas you can do whatever you want on a night out you can you can have these experiences you yeah can. it's now, fantastic I, I just recently played shuffleboard um yeah never yeah. played shuffleboard in my life and i had quite a good time and you know as i say i've done the flight club thing which is good for work environment as well and you know, you do the, the um, junkyard golf thing. So I think that particular market is, is, is great. I just hope that there's something, there's something else after that. Because there's only so many games of golf you can play. There's only so many games of darts. Yeah, you can I think play. everyone's uh, quite right. So a little bit concerned about the longevity of that's concepts what, that's like what that. I'm looking for, um, but you know, I think uh, you know if, we, if you translate that into a typical you know classic venue like ourselves, where you've got um, you know everything under one roof, so restaurant, bar, club, um, etc., private dining. We even do weddings. Um, so, but it's making sure that in the venue you've got those Instagramable moments, you've got that yeah. experience, you've got that's that. That's your marketing. That's your free yeah, marketing. Exactly. I mean, we've we've recently had a refurbishment in the restaurant downstairs and yeah. uh, with the flowers. Um, you know, as you can see in, in the lovely conservatory that we're sitting in now. It's, um, I tell you what I love about this venue, and I've now been here a couple of times. It's two complete, it's two or three venues inside one. Yeah, so someone's taken my this, CV and just gone. Yeah, <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't connect with downstairs, if you know what I mean. Like you come up here, and it's this whole new world, mm. and then you go downstairs, and it's something completely different. Yeah, you like, get lost I, in paradise. Pretty much, there you go. Um, that's the tagline for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's... It's a, I love this venue. I think it's so cool. And I've only experienced it during the day. I'm sure it's absolutely wonderful during the Yeah, I mean, it's great. The, um, it's obviously very de decadent sort of dining downstairs. Mm. Uh, we've got Michelin plates in the restaurant, um, which is, uh, you know, really, really good sort of stamp on our quality of food. Um, the Chef Martin's absolutely fantastic, really good. Uh, we've recently had a revamp of the menu to just uplift it a little bit, making it a little bit more modern. Um, and on the restaurant, the look and the feel. And then you come up to upstairs in the evenings, uh, obviously we've got lots of events and, uh, you know, DJ Lonya and DJ Ben Kane as, yeah. as residents. And uh, last uh, couple of Fridays ago, we had Vula, um, the voice of Basement Jacks playing and Manny Norte. Yeah. Um, DJing so lo and loads of upcoming events as well coming up. Yeah. I've got Ricky and Melvin in, um, in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. I think so. Yes, lots of exciting things happening, but it's very hedonistic, sort of upstairs in the club, and so obviously you've got the private dining and private rooms and things like that as well. There's a lot going on, but when when the opportunity came up for you to work here, was you really chomping at the bit? Because you're like, <coughs> well, I've got this experience in food, and I've run a restaurant before, I've owned a restaurant before, mm. I had this experience at a previous venue, and I worked very closely with the chef. Plus, I've got all this corporate. Uh, experience working in Novus and running these bars. So was this literally one of them opportunities we went, I have to work here? Yeah, well, I mean, I applied for um, Urban Pumps and Bars because I really liked the company and the concepts yep, and the, the, you know, they have a really good growth um, sort of history of growing. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously looking for 
that next step up really in the industry for myself anyway, having been a GM for quite a while now. Um, but uh, they actually suggested that, um, that I might want to take a look at this place because when I was talking with uh, the ops director about my experience in my CV, um, I think it's sort of a light bulb when I went, you know, you'd, you'd be amazing for um, the paradise. Um, so I asked to just come and have a look at it and, uh, and that's how, because um, I, hadn't, I hadn't actually heard of it or been here before, oh, really? um, but having um, um, sort of come and actually looked at it and seen the concepts and seen uh, what, what it's doing and it's such an iconic venue yes, it is, um, yeah. in, uh, in sort of west of London and uh, really, really sort of fits with my personality and the style of management and you know all the experience really rolled into, rolled into one. Very good. And you've, you've been here about a month, how have you, how you been settling? Yeah, it's about, it's about two months now. Oh, um, two months. Okay. Almost. I've lost complete track to be honest. <laughs> uh, it was good, really, really, um, really quite a fast start because we went straight into a, a refurbishment, yep. recruiting, training for staff, um, obviously getting my head around the business as a whole, where it was at. Um, making sure we've got the right people in place. Um, so it all really sort of came together over the period of about sort of three or four weeks, um, making sure all the systems are, uh, are in place and doing what's that what should be. What's that transition like then coming from, let's say, uh, a corporate background as such and then coming into a venue like this where you've got maybe more free reign? Is that fair to say? Or? Yeah, a little bit more free reign. I think uh, Novus in its early days was very similar to urban pubs and bars now, I think. Um, yeah. where there are procedures and um, there are bits of structure that you need to need to follow, which you know I'm, I'm very, very used to from my early days anyway. But they still have that um, connection with the two owners, Nick and Malk, who uh, you know, will be in the venue on a regular basis and, and feedback. And uh, while they're sort of growing, um, there's uh, you know, a lot of learnings, I think, that will be on the way. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of at the moment, I think really there, there is that little bit of freedom, but I think I'm granted probably a little bit more freedom uh, with my sort of past experience and that anyway. So um, got a great relationship with the, with the ops manager and, and ops director and stuff to say that, hey, this is where I think we should be, should be going. And it's, you know, it's all open for, all open for discussion. What makes a successful venue run? We've been, there you go, it's a question. What makes it, yeah. Nice. Uh, I don't know if I want to put that on film. Because <laughs> <laughs> just, just from, from my perspective, no. so I've interviewed, we've interviewed a lot of people, general managers and across different fields, and a lot of it, they've said the number one that I've understood is, is the team. And it's who the people you get in. And it's, yeah. there's no, although there's a hierarchy, there's not. If the bar person has got, or a bartender, bar lady, has got an idea, they're allowed to express it to the Oh, GM. definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, you're asking me to give away my secrets now. Um, <laughs> so I, I basically have a four-step process, um, which I've taken through um, all venues for God knows how long now. Um, so you've got to start with people. Um, so it goes people, standards, service, and sales, and then profit at the bottom, so five steps, really. Um, people always comes first, so they're, they're all really important. Um, it's not shying away from saying because at the end of the day, if you haven't got sales, then you've you know you haven't got anything really. Um, but people always comes first because you can't have good standards without the right people. You can't really do anything without the right people. Um, or if you've got the wrong people, it's always going to be a massively slow uptake or turnaround or uphill struggle because you're trying to do something that maybe the people around you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's about surrounding yourself with 
um, people that A, believe in you and believe in the vision and understand that, um, but also are not necessarily exactly the same as you, because if they're exactly the same as you, they will always um, just agree with you or it will always only yes, be one way of thinking. So yeah. surrounding yourself with diverse thinking mm -hmm. as well um, and leaning on that and using people's strengths um, to maybe up weights your um your sort of shortcomings or weaknesses because everyone's got them yeah um making sure that you're listening to um all levels of all levels of staff and mm, you know really spending a lot of the time coaching and making sure that everybody understands your vision for the venue mm -hmm. and that you're developing them as as people as well um because everybody wants everybody wants to be developing so everyone you know needs some structure and um some rules and guidelines um after that standards um again you can't do you know, can't do good service without standards. Basically, you need to have cleaning the standards, uh, you know, cocktail specs and, you know, the basics of actually what are we doing. Mm. And then the service is how are we doing it? So how are we putting that personality? Um, I would always recruit, uh, you know, stems from the people conversation as well. I would always recruit the personality over experience cool. um, because if someone wants to come in and they're willing to learn, then we can teach them yep. how to do the basics um, uh, but we can't teach them how to have a personality, uh, essentially. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they should have learned or that attitude, time. Yeah. Or, or, or attitude, or yeah. Attitude. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's all sort of rolled into one um, With, there, really. Because the venue is very iconic and it seems to be quite a, a youngish vibe, I want to say. A younger crowd, or is it? Uh, I don't crowd? think so. I think, no. you know, the regularly on a, on a Friday and Saturday nights, it's... You know, it's over over twenty five and, and upwards, okay. really. I think. So, in that process, then, when you're hiring, are you thinking of can this person deal with these customers? Can this person that I'm about to hire, do they have the the uh, the tenacity, or do they have the yeah, right attitude think, to, to speak yeah. to that? Because if you're hiring, you know, eighteen and nineteen year olds, they may they may kind of not have that best attitude. Yeah, well. I think there's certainly a place for for everybody, but again, that's that's consideration when it comes into hiring. I think yeah. we've all met those uh, you know people of the age of uh, sort of twenty twenty one. I don't think it's about age. I think it's about maturity and sure. and, and their personality and their approach to um, approach to things. Um, I think certainly, you know, life experience when dealing with uh, customers of that age range generally helps, but that's not to say that um, people can't no, do it. So I think there's there's an argument for uh, a little bit of flexibility there. But again, I think it's it's all down to people's personalities. What keeps uh, you in this industry? I wouldn't do anything else. I love it. <laughs> I think um, it's it's something I really found my home in my first bar job. Yeah. Uh, which I'm forever grateful for because I think I, found, I met so many people more like myself yeah. than anything I'd done uh, previously, uh, whether that be sort of college or first early jobs and things like that. Sure. So it's um, you know, every day is different. It's not sitting behind a desk nine to five in an office. It's uh, it's interacting with people and customers. And I think one question I get asked a lot um, when I go for interviews is, uh, you know, where what's your skill set? Is it is it in drink or is it in food or is it in the entertainment things like um, uh, like swingers and places like that and, and flight club? And my answer now really is always the same, which is actually all of those. But the one thing that binds it all together is the people, um, because that's my skill set is understanding and managing people. So that that goes across every single aspect of it. It's funny you say this. We we interviewed someone quite early on in this uh, in these podcasts, and he came from Novus, and he said a similar thing. Is that the Novus way, or is that just something they teach you to, to be personable? Uh, I don't no. think it, it. It really depends because I mean, Novus is such a massive company. It depends who you worked yeah. for. Who was it that you interviewed? Uh, it was a chap uh, who works at Notting Hill Gate now, Dan Stone. Oh, I know Dan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
He was a, he was a yeah, great guy. Um, but I think, you know, Novus really bred that family orientation. Okay. I think what you have to remember with Novus um, was that so many of us back in the day came from being bartenders uh, under certain managers and all came through the ranks. So Novus in its heyday, all the general managers were people that had been there for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Uh, there was one general manager um, that started off as a cloakroom attendant, uh, wow. you know, and everyone just came through the ranks, but they all came through together. So at one point or another, everybody worked together. So it really was, um, I'm sure lots of people would say this, but it really, really was a family yep. um, business. And unfortunately, you know, when it got to the, the end and they, um, they sold, and Steve Richards left and, and Jason left and a few key people kind of left and you know in the period of sort of six months or so um, it was just a huge exodus of, uh, of all the old school old school managers. Do you think you know, that's that's in a way good for, for you guys the ones that kind of were there for that period of time because you can bring that kind of old school approach to this new way of thinking and this new way of managing? Yeah um, I think they were you know noticed with the, with the best of what they did back in the day it was yeah. very much around pre-book sales and um, it's surprising going into some businesses now um, that they still haven't really caught up with that and I don't know whether it's a time thing I think it's just a, uh, a growth thing in terms of how the business develops um, they get to a certain point and realize that to, to get to the next stage they need that style of uh, management to run a venue. So do you think that obviously <coughs> if you've been there you've, you've I say they've kind of molded you into a particular way. Oh, you definitely. You can kind yeah, of yeah. see people's management skills. I mean, you can go, oh, obviously you were managed by Novus because of you, you've implemented this. Yeah, I certainly think you can pick, and pick an old school Novus manager of yeah. <laughs> anybody. Do you still um, keep in contact with people? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we spoke earlier and said like, how many people, how much yeah. a small industry it is and how many people know, know everybody. So, you know, when we did all, we did all leave, I mean, I, I left obviously for different reasons because I went to open the, the restaurant, but everybody, um, it's just sort of scattered yeah. over, and London in general is—it feels like a tiny um, space to me because everywhere you go, you see someone that you've worked with in the past um, at some stage, um, and everyone's obviously at different stages in their careers. Do you, do you ever see the kind of really older people in Southeast in this industry, just completely written off? But they weren't—they weren't. They weren't um, uh, well, no, I mean, some, some of them are my best friends. <laughs> so, to be honest, um, fair enough. So that's you know, all, all, all of my friends. I've got you know, obviously got some friends from school and college and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. But uh, I mean, my wedding recently, uh, it was there was a whole table of, uh, of ex um, Novus Leisure Novus Leisure managers, and it was it was the naughtiest naughty table in existence, and they all know who they are. <laughs> recently, man. Yeah, August. Oh, congratulations. Same couple months ago. How's it going? Yeah, good. Well, so hold on, so the marriage, <laughs> this, yep. 2019. Came back from uh, the honeymoon and then uh, straight into Evan Pops and Bars. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a good good amount of responsibility yeah. to, uh, to take on. <laughs> Memorable year. Kids yet? No, not yet, not yet. Early days. The only reason why I ask is I'm interested to know like how does this particular industry affect home life because it's a very night-led focused industry. Yeah, so it is. It's um, quite intriguing to see it's, how. I think you know. I've, I've seen a few people um, do really well with it um, before because actually it's because it is a late night industry. You've got some flexibility in terms of your OT. You're not working Monday to Friday um, no. every every week. Uh, you know, the Saturday uh, or Sunday shifts allow you to have that day off. Or a couple of days off during the week. Okay. Um, obviously, there's always the holiday that you can book for uh, things like that. And um, th I've always worked Friday or Saturday nights um, throughout the time that I've known my wife. I've been five years, so uh, she's uh, pretty used to it at the moment. Although well, she does like to have her little man and grown some <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> As we start to wrap up, I just want to kind of 
kind of ask, what are the biggest changes you've seen in the last 10 years in the industry as a whole? Um, <clears throat> I think some of the obvious ones are the mentality of people when they go out, uh, that they want to, uh, they want a bit more, yeah. now, a bit more for their money. Uh, so it's much more about uh, value, yeah, value for money than it is anything else. Um, so that's making sure they do go out maybe one night a week rather than two nights a week, but they mm. want a real experience um, in doing that. Uh, you know, the obvious boring ones are people are paying much more on card now than they are uh, cash because of contact list is much, much quicker and easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and... I think it's it's got to be the social media aspect of yeah. you know people wanting to take something away from their from their day or their evening or wherever it is uh, and you know post it online and sort of say look look at look at what a great life I have look at what a great weekend I had look how much fun I'm having etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you find and people are happier going out now than before? I think I don't think it's any happier or, or not happier yeah. or anything like that. I think people you know sometimes perceive the perception of more happy is uh, online right. because of that because I mean I, I've witnessed people that will just you know they get their phone out and all their friends are having a great time and then put, as soon as the phone goes away again they're back to just sitting there not talking no to way. each other oh absolutely um, there was one influencer I saw um, at an event once not, not not here um, at a previous venue one influencer I saw once they, they did an influencer party and the influencer we were giving out some free cocktails to these people and the influencer got a cocktail took a load of few selfies and then just chucked the cocktail straight in the bin it was plastic glass so it was fine but didn't take a sip um, look at me look what a great time I'm having bin that's vile yeah and you look, that's, I think that's the sad side of it really because it is a lot of it is um, a little bit sort of showy and things like that. Whereas, you know, I'm you know, a little bit older these days. I think I'd rather go out with my friends and actually just really have a good time, yeah, put our phones away and just have a conversation. There's a difference between being on your phone constantly and then taking a couple of there photos, is, I, think, I think, with your mates, which everyone's done over the yeah. over any period of time in the history of that. I mean, I, I've done it. People yeah. do it because you do want to have some memories and you yeah, do want to nice. remember it. But when it becomes, I think there's that line, yeah. um, you know, I think that's really, really down to individuals um, to, to, you know, to, to really sort of decide what, what they want from a... Uh, from a night out or a day or an experience. The thing that frustrates me is when you're out the night out and people scroll through social media. That's, I'm like, you're with the people that you need to be with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact that your auntie Karen is going away on holiday, no one cares, you don't need to care right now. Yeah. Um, it's, I think that's the one thing. But I think a lot of it is to do with habit. People, yep. despite the fact that you and I are having a conversation, if there's ever a lull in, in downtime, you're, everyone's now um, trained to bring out the phone to curb boredom. Yeah, 100%. And I think if there's ever a lull in the moment of a night out, that's when the phone comes out. So it's almost like you have yeah. to constantly be doing stuff because you're battling that. Yeah, battling I, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever experienced losing your phone or, or can't find it or anything like that, you, you start to get this anxiety. Oh, and I think, you know, I'm nowhere near qualified to comment really on, on these kind of things, no, but no, it's, no. Uh, it's one of those sort of worrying things. You know, there's a lot of, TV advertisements going on at the moment with, mm. um, you know, just saying, just talk to each other again. Because um, there's so much more value in human interaction rather than but just then, your phone. But I suppose in the flip side is as a general manager, <coughs> someone's on their phone tweeting and Instagramming and hashtag, great. you're very great, crack on. No problem. Just yeah. do what you need Especially to do. Especially if you've got thousands of followers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Please do it. It's free so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a necessary tool. Um, I think, but uh, there's obviously, I mean, we can sit around all day talking about the pros no, and cons of social media. <laughs>
I agree. We could also be talking about um, how good it was for you to do the podcast. Thank so you. thank you very much for coming down today. No problem, well, thank no, you. I came down you today. Came thank here, you yeah. very much for taking the time. Being to, at work. Uh, yeah. that, that was almost a seamless transition, but um, messed it up at the end. Anyway, thank you very much, Ben. No and, worries. Uh, Great. Thank you.